morning. Great to see you. It really is. Welcome to Holy Week. This is an incredible week for us as followers of Jesus. And uh, today would be Palm Sunday, that Sunday when Jesus came into Jerusalem on the back of the colt and the people are yelling hosannas and, and just praising him and laying their cloaks on the on the ground and waving palm branches and just an incredible time. And if I would encourage you to go back and, and read that story today just to familiarize yourself as we go into Holy Week. But uh, this is a, a special week for us. And so uh, we're going to be in John chapter 16 in just a moment if you want to go ahead and find it. But I'm going to kind of highlight a couple of things for you. First of all, being this week, next week we will have three services. We will have an 8.15 service, we will have a 9.30 service, an 11 o'clock service, and there will not be groups on campus uh, next week. So just to uh, make you aware of that so you can choose the one of the three you want to come to. However, on Friday night, that I can't highlight Friday night enough. We're having a community-wide Good Friday service, and this year it's not going to be downtown. So if you go downtown, you're going to be in the wrong place, and you're going to know quickly. So out at Old Settlers Park, out off 79 at Old Settlers Park, down by the lake, we're going to have the staging all set up, and the service is going to be down there. It's Big C Body of Christ. Uh, it's going to be a lot of people we're praying will come. It will uh, start at 7 o'clock. Of course, you can come as early as you want to during the day. If you want to do a picnic or let the kids play on the playground before the service, that's perfectly okay. And however, you know, Central, I'm always quick to throw you under the bus, just like I throw myself under it sometimes. And so uh, we need, we need, it's a great opportunity to come as greeters, or to serve in the parking area. Now, this is the way you do that, because I said Central will be at the forefront. You can count on us. We'll be there. However, you need to sign up. And so you go to lovetherock.com. We run everything in the city through lovetherock.com. Lovetherock.com, you will see the uh, banner there that you can click on to volunteer to be uh, working with a parking and working with the uh, greeting team. You will get a lanyard and they'll, they'll inform you. Let me, re let me say this and then I want to repeat it. Do not tell me that you're going to greet because I will forget and I won't turn you in. Uh, you can tell me, but that isn't official. Make it official. Let me repeat that one more time. Do not email me that you're going to be uh, serving. Just go on lovetherock.com and, uh, and make that happen. So I, I count on you. You uh, will need to get there a little earlier to greet, but I know you will uh, step up to do that. The, se the second thing I want to announce other than, you know, uh, Pam and I say quite often, we believe we can touch the world from right here at Central, and we are doing that. Yeah, you know, we've shared with you how we're involved in uh, what's happening in uh, uh, Eastern Europe with the Ukraine and, and these kind of things. We're involved in many different ways. However, we believe we can touch the world right here in many different ways. 
uh, Pastor Allen, one of the things he's been doing over the last several years is he is the chaplain with Round Rock Express, and he's actually there right now leading a chapel service. You know, uh, AAA baseball players uh, are on the verge of becoming big time in the major leagues, or they've come back down. But uh, these people, these players are from all over the country. And Alan has the opportunity to minister to them and by doing these chapels. And so, you know, it's just one more touch that you, to make you aware of that we are touching the world from, from right here. So I want to pray, and then we're going to uh, break down God's Word in John chapter 16. And uh, let's pray together. With your head bowed and your eyes closed right quick, I, I just feel like I need to say this because I believe it's true. I believe somebody in this congregation is going to hear something and God's Spirit is going to birth it in their life today and they will be forever changed. I really believe that. So Father, as we open your word today, I pray that you will... Do what only you can do. Divine appointments have been prayed for and set up in this room. And so we're asking for you to do what you do. Lord, we pray over Alan right now as he ministers to uh, the athletes and admins over at uh, the Dell Diamond. Just pray you use that to touch your world. And Father, we pray for the Good Friday service and this holy week. God, this is our time. Lord, may we be bold and courageous. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, John chapter 16, if you don't have a Bible, it will be on the screen. But I'm going to read the passage and then we're going to break it down. As we talk today about, I believe in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're walking through the Apostles' Creed. And we are there today, I believe in the Holy Spirit. So, John chapter 16, verse 5 through 15, Jesus is talking to his disciples. But now I am going to him who sent me, and none of you asked me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away... The Helper will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin, because they do not believe in me. Concerning righteousness, because I go to the Father and you will see me no longer. And concerning judgment, because of the ruler of this world is judged. I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own authority, but whatever He hears, He will speak, and He will declare to you the things that are to come. He will glorify Me, for He will take what is Mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. Let me give you a thought. My first car 
was a blue 1967 Ford Galaxy. I found a picture. This isn't my picture, but that is what uh, I drove. Uh, I, I didn't have my license in 1967, so it was not new. But that's, that's what I drove. And uh, I, I just was thinking, for you that drive and have been guilty like me, can most of you remember your first uh, speeding ticket? Now, uh, I can remember mine, and I wish it was my only one, but uh, we're, we're not going to talk about all of speeding tickets. But uh, I remember getting pulled over by an officer, and if you've been pulled over, you know what it's like. They pull you over, and they leave their lights going. Why? It's just to guilt and shame you in front of other people. That's what it's for. And the officer comes, and he knocks on the window, and because that's what I was driving, I rolled it down. And uh, we still use that term, roll down the window, and, and uh, we're just pushing a button. And, uh, but the officer says this right off the bat, and, and uh, do you know what the speed limit is on this road? You know, probably, I, I probably know what it is. He said, you know, and, and anytime you get pulled over like that, he's going to say, do you know what it is? And he's going to say it's posted there. Let's say it's a 30 mile per hour speed uh, limit and it's posted. That's the law. And so he, the next thing he's going to say to you is, I clocked you doing 45 in a 30. And, uh, and he's, he, he, will, he will be a little gracious and say, is there an emergency that you're going so fast? Somebody's dying to see me, is what we <laughs> want to say. And, uh, and so that, that's not the case. And he says, you're, you're guilty doing 45 in a 30. And so, uh, you know, so he's posted it. So what's happened so far is he has completely justified to pull me over because the law says 30 and I've broken the law. So he's completely justified in doing what he's done. So let's say he, he does this. I, I, I say at this point, I don't want justice, but I want mercy. I want mercy. And uh, mercy would be if he says, okay, I'm going to give you a warning instead of the ticket you deserve. Thank you. That would be mercy. Or he says, I, I'm just going to tear this ticket up. Uh, okay, that's mercy. And, uh, but if he says somebody's going to have to pay for this ticket, and I'm going to do that for you, the judge is going to do that for you, then uh, that's gone from mercy completely to grace at this point, because I don't deserve it at all. But suppose he takes it a step further, and he says, Mark, We've been watching you all over this town, and uh, my goodness, you cannot stay below the speed limit. You just have a problem that you cannot stay below the speed limit. So what I'm going to do for you, Mark, is I'm going to ask you to move over to the passenger seat, and I am going to be your driver because I can stay at the speed limit or below it. I can do that. Now, so I'm in the passenger seat now, 
So what do I do? Am I gracious and thinking, oh, thank you, officer, that you're taking care of me? No, I'm fighting him all the time for the will, right? Uh, and, and he's a gentleman. He says, uh, okay, do you really think you can do it? Only to I find myself breaking the law again. Now, how does that translate into our spiritual life? The spiritual life is this. Seven point however billion people on this planet, we all have a sin-fallen nature. The Bible says, for we have all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God is completely justified in putting us under the curse of our sin because we have broken the law. And it says, the Bible says, the wage of that sin is death. So we're under the wrath of God. So that he's completely justified in, in taking us out. But he comes and he says this. He says, because you're flawed, I've sent Jesus Christ, okay? So I've sent Jesus. He's perfect. He's going to pay the debt that you can never pay. That's mercy. We didn't deserve it. That's complete mercy. And then he would say this. Because I see you, and even though I've given you new nature, that old nature has a tendency still to crop up and live within you, and you're going to continue to break the law, what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you my very presence in the form of my Holy Spirit to indwell you so that when He lives out your life through you, you're going to be able to live it in a righteous way. However, that old nature keeps creeping up, and so what I do is I fight him all the time for who's in control. Can anybody relate to what I'm saying here, or am I just bare before all of you? And so I wrestle with that old nature walking according to the flesh or walking according to the Spirit. But what he has done, though, he has given us his very presence in the form of his Holy Spirit to indwell us. Now, what I want to do for a few moments, I want to unpack really from what Jesus says, what is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives? Because you see, that when it comes to the Father, we understand he's God Almighty, the Creator, but yet he's Father, he's very intimate. And then we see Jesus, we understand Jesus. He came, he lived, he, he died, he was crucified, he rose from the dead. We, we can see that. But when it comes to the Holy Spirit, what has happened is, is that we have, we have seen many falsities about the Holy Spirit. And so what has happened is, is we choose to not talk about him at all. And we lose out on the power that he has for us. And so I want to look at this and, and see what really is Jesus speaking about the role of the Holy Spirit. But let me, let me say a couple of things about the Holy Spirit versus the presence of, of Jesus on earth, okay? Number one is... Jesus knew the Spirit could be with them 24-7, okay? Jesus, when he was in the flesh here on earth, he could not be with the disciples 24-7. He was limited in where he could be. He had to sleep. 
He had to break away and rest and be by himself. But with the Holy Spirit, there would be uninterrupted fellowship with the Father because of the Holy Spirit. Another thought is this. The Spirit wouldn't only be with men, He would be inside men. He would indwell us. He would transform. He would enable us. Uh, The way I look at it is that if I were to take a bottle and take the top off that bottle, empty whatever contents are in there, and there's the ocean out there, it would be one thing if I plugged the bottle up and threw the bottle into the ocean, the ocean would be all around it, but not in it. But what the Lord has done is he's taken that cap off, we throw the bottle in, so the presence is not only around us, but it's now in us. And you cannot even be saved without the Holy Spirit. And so it says in, in the Scriptures, Romans chapter 8, that the very Spirit who raised Christ from the dead indwells you. So you can't even come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. But really, what is His role? And notice in verse 7 that Jesus calls Him, in the ESV, which I read from, He calls Him the Helper. That Your Bible may say comforter or counselor or advocate. It may give different titles because it, it's hard to find an English word that really translates the Greek. The Greek word is a word paraclete, not parakeet, it's paraclete. And it means someone who comes alongside of. And, and in other words, you're on a journey, somebody comes alongside of you. They're your helper, helper your comforter your advocate in what you're doing. And that's what the Holy Spirit does. I I love it that God did not abandon us and He did not just point out things for us to do, but He came in the very presence of His Holy Spirit to walk alongside of us that we can walk it out. And I want you to, to know that There's different titles for the Holy Spirit in the Scriptures called the Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, Spirit of Truth, the Breath of God. Some of you grew up in a a more uh, traditional form. He was called the Holy Ghost, and uh, you grew up uh, uh, under that title, which is still used today. But what is his role, really? And Jesus gives five... um, distinct uh, things that are the role of the Holy Spirit that I want to give you, and you can jot these down. They're going to be easy to memorize because I, I went uh, with alliteration, so there's each one begins with an E. The first one is this. The Holy Spirit exposes. The Holy Spirit exposes. Notice in verse 8, he says he convicts the world regarding sin. Now, The word convict is a word that means to expose, to bring out what is hidden. So what happens is the Holy Spirit works to to take this brokenness that we have so much pride and arrogance that we try to cover. He exposes that, and exposing that, he exposes our need right there. And you cannot come to a relationship with Christ unless you are convinced that you are actually broken. 
If there is no, there is no conversion where there is not conviction. And we have to be very, very careful in this area. How many times have I witnessed that somebody wants their child to make a decision for Christ so bad that they feel like if they can just get them baptized or to pray a little prayer, then all's taken care of. Listen, we got to be careful because if there is not a conviction of sin and brokenness in their life, they will never embrace a Savior. Okay, you hear what I'm saying? Because we've gone through rituals, doesn't matter. If there is not a conviction, there is not a conversion. So we have to be very, very careful. Uh, the way I look at it is, you know, I know you're supposed to drink X amount of water a day. Uh, I, I don't do it. I, 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 not that I'm rebellious. I'm just not thirsty. You know, but if I'm thirsty, I think back about times of maybe doing yard work or back during the times of athletics when I was parched. Oh, man, I was dying for a drink. But, but if I'm drinking all the time or a drink uh, just a little bit, I'm not thirsty. Here's my point. When you realize that you're broken and you're sinful and you're under the wrath of God and you're separated from God, at that point, you will seek a Savior. And so the Holy Spirit is coming to convict you of sin so that you will see your need for a Savior. Amen? Do, do you understand that? And so, first of all, He exposes. Second of all, the Holy Spirit establishes. Notice what it says. It says He convicts not only of sin, but He convicts of righteousness. Well, what does that mean? What it does is once you understand He exposes your need, now he establishes that there is one who is righteous that is not you that has paid the price for you, and that is Jesus. So he establishes that there is one who is righteous, and, and he leads us to the one who is righteous. It's one thing to be exposed as a sin, sinful person, but it's truly life-changing when you see the one who is truly righteous and can transform your life. So what the Holy Spirit does, He not only exposes your brokenness, but He establishes the one who is righteous. Okay? So that, that's huge. That's huge. Thirdly, he, the Holy Spirit executes. Now, the word execute is the word that I'm using for execution. He kills something. At the cross, what Jesus did, and the Holy Spirit uh, convicts of this judgment, the judgment wasn't on you. The judgment was on sin and, and Satan and his demons, okay? So they were defeated at the cross. They were executed at the cross. And I know you're going to say, well, Mark, I look around me and I see demonic activity all the time. I see evil exist all the time. 
But let me tell you, the execution has already happened, but there's a day coming when he will be put away forever. And here's the deal. He has also executed your old nature. But why is it that old nature keeps creeping up and that flesh continues to uh, have its way with me? And, it, and I hate it, but I battle that all the time, the old nature. I thought about that. In 1865, we had the 13th Amendment ratified. The 13th Amendment outlawed slavery in the United States. The horrendous years of slavery that existed here in 1865, the 13th Amendment was ratified that said there would be no slavery. But why is it that people who still lived under the yoke of slavery in our country found themselves still living under the yoke of slavery? And I thought about that. Why? What? Why is that? Well, some of them were probably didn't know any different. Nobody had told them that, listen, you don't have to walk in this slavery anymore. You can walk out from under it. But suppose they heard that. Why did they still not do it? Maybe they were threatened to, to not walk out. Maybe they doubted that was really true. But for some reason, they stayed under that horrendous yoke of slavery even though it had been ratified that they were no, no longer slaves. But eventually, several of them, hordes of them, walked away from that, and others thought it is true. Now, why is it that you and I, who Jesus, by His pre presence and what He did, and by His Holy Spirit, He set us free from the yoke of sin, that we were under. But why do we continue to walk according to the flesh and not according to the Spirit? Maybe you're ignorant. Maybe you didn't know that the Holy Spirit even indwelt you. Maybe you doubted that it was truth. Maybe that was for the super spirituals and not for you. Let me tell you, it is for you. That what has happened is Jesus through the cross and by the power of His Holy Spirit he convicts you, he convinces you that judgment has already come and now you can live in righteousness, okay? That's what the Holy Spirit has come. Jesus said that. And that's what he said. So if you're with me so far, you know that the Holy Spirit, he exposes, he establishes, and he uh, executes. Two more. He enables, the Holy Spirit enables or He empowers, if you want to look at it another way. Notice what the Scripture says in verse 13. He says, when the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all the truth. He will guide you into all the truth. And we know, according to Acts chapter 1, that when Jesus told His disciples to go and wait, He said, you will receive power from the Holy Spirit when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. The word power, I know we like to say, well, it's dynamite power and this kind of stuff. That doesn't register in our brain. But if we look at the word, it means to enable and empower you. He gave you gifts. He gave you his very presence to, to give you strength to say no to temptation. He has given you these things. 
and he has given you revelation to walk in all truth. He does not play hide and seek with us, but he, his ultimate truth will lead us to maturity. And what does this, this truth, the way I look at it, the way the Holy Spirit works in our life as the teacher and the comforter and the counselor, he gives us a bite at a time. It's progressive. In other words, if you're a first grader, you're, they're not teaching you calculus. If they are and you're getting it, ah, man, you're special. But maybe by the time you get to high school, you're ready for algebra and calculus, but you're not at the first grade level. And so what the Holy Spirit does is he guides you into all truth. It, and the, the word of God is simple enough that uh, a novice who knows how to read can glean huge amounts from it, but it's deep enough that anybody can, can drown in it to, uh, as you get things. But he takes us progressively and he grows us. Well, why does he do this? So that every man, by what Paul said in Ephesians, that we may present every man complete. He says that again in Colossians, that we, we, we labor intensely so that we can present every man complete in Christ Jesus. So he, uh, he enables and he empowers you. Last one is this. The Holy Spirit exalts. Notice what it says in verse 14. Jesus speaking. He will glorify me. Well, what does glorify mean? Glor to make glorious is to praise, to honor, to admire. In other words, when the Holy Spirit comes, He will reflect the same nature that Jesus reflected. He will reflect Jesus. And just as Jesus needed an earthly body to reflect that glory, the Holy Spirit needs a body. Now, Paul said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, and that's true. The Holy Spirit inhabits us, thus we reflect the character of Jesus. We should, but yet we as a whole and collective of the body of Christ, and the Holy Spirit gave birth to the body of Christ so that we may reflect His glory. It scares me today that Often, we are not reflecting His glory. And uh, it, it, it leads me to think this. The Holy Spirit is not in control. If He's not being reflected, the Holy Spirit is not in control. Who is then? Well, obviously, we think we are, and we're not. So those, those five things are the role of the Holy Spirit. So what does that mean to you and me? Just real quick, application. You can hear, but it, we want you to, to obey. Three quick things. Number one is this. The Holy Spirit is real today. Jesus didn't abandon us. He is here with us. He didn't just make this promise for the first century uh, believers. The Holy Spirit is real today. He's real for the youngest believer here as much as He is for the oldest believer here. 
the Holy Spirit is for us today. Secondly, the Holy Spirit is convicting you to come to Jesus. I, I believe this with everything that's in me. When we realize our sinfulness, we can't help but be drawn to the Savior. You can resist Him, and you can squelch Him. And, and this is, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say that, I don't think I said this in the first service, but, you know, once the Holy Spirit has convicted you to come to Christ, He doesn't owe you another opportunity. That's, that's tough, isn't it? He doesn't owe you another one. He is, he's drawing you. He's, the old word is wooing, wooing you. He, he is drawing you to Him. Last point. The Holy Spirit is available to you. Just because you've committed your life to Christ doesn't mean you're walking a fully yielded, obedient life under the direction of the Holy Spirit. He's waiting for you to yield to Him. He's waiting for you to ask. It says in Luke chapter 11, Jesus speaking, He says, if you being evil fathers know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father give the Holy Spirit to those that ask? Remember, I already told you, you can't come to Christ without the Holy Spirit. But yet there's a squelching that can take place. You've got to yield to Him. So, how's it going? How's it really going in your walk with the Holy Spirit? Uh, I Sometimes I just come across odd, odd facts. But uh, they did a survey as to why men used to like the old sitcom Seinfeld so much. And I realize we have a generation now that doesn't know about Seinfeld. But why is it that men used to like Seinfeld so much? And this was what they came to the conclusion. They liked it because it, the show had no plot to it. It was just meaningless banter for you that liked the show. It was meaningless. And they had no plot. It was funny, but it had no plot. And men liked it because it had no plot. And they came to the conclusion that most men liked it because they didn't have any plot in their own life. They were just wandering. And I wonder if God didn't give us the Holy Spirit so that we would know our purpose is not meaningless, but it's leading us towards Christ's likeness. Jesus told a parable about ten young ladies, and five, they all had lamps, and it was a parable about the, the wedding bride or the groom was coming and they wanted to be ready and I have a picture of what one of those lamps would have looked like here notice the big hole that's where the oil would be in there and then the wick comes out and the uh, the oil burns through the wick uh, there and uh, what would happen is is that when the oil would run out 
then the wick itself would start burning and it would put off uh, putrid odor, uh, black smoke, because the wick, the, the oil burns through the wick. It's basic uh, lamp stuff. But, but what the, some of the ladies ran out of oil and so they, uh, they went to get oil and they came back and the bridegroom had already come and the other five had gone in to celebrate and they couldn't come in. I wonder, please bear with me. We live in a day where people are walking away from the faith and they're not attracted to the life-giving, abundant fellowship with Jesus. Could it be that we're burning the wick instead of letting the oil burn through us? I have to ask myself that. You know, it's one thing to prepare messages and sermons. And you know when you're finished if it was just study. But you know a difference when the Holy Spirit is burning. My prayer is, Lord, if we're just burning a wick, forgive us. We want to yield to you the filling of your Holy Spirit. I want you to bow with me.